I want to take a minute to tell you about Federal Access. Federal Access is our coaching and training platform that we develop for government contractors. The resources in Federal Access have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. When you become a member, you're going to get access to hundreds of documents, templates, training videos, on-demand webinars, and you get SME support from me. So if you have a question, you can email me directly anytime. Here's a special offer for Game Changers listeners. Visit federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers today and get started for just $29. That's federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers to get started for just $29. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors, and I've got Alexa here with me. Alexa, before we hop in and start talking about frenemies today, why don't you take a minute and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, absolutely. Thank you, Michael, and thank you for having me be here today. My name is Alexa Choi, and um, as you can imagine, being named Alexa this day and age is super fun. There's actually a running joke of calling me Cinnamon in all meetings, which is a whole other fun story. I am the VP of Capture and Strategic Partnerships for MetaPhase, really helping them build and grow the business. And working there has been such a super great journey so far. And that's what I'm focused on these days. Nice. And you have an interesting background with working with Dell Tech before it was Dell Tech. And, you know, you talked to me a little bit about that as we were talking earlier. The focus today is we're kind of talking about that teaming with frenemies and all of the complexities that come with it. I'm not even sure where we should start here because it's such a big topic. I do think there's a lot of people in the industry that are like, oh, I hate those folks. Why should I work with those folks? And I think, hey, government's a really small world. and, And I know how you were. When I first started in government contract, we had those three or four companies that were like, we hate those guys. And then you wind up in a room with your client and those guys are the primes and you have to work with them, you know? So it's a very interesting situation. You know, they're trying to develop technology to get you out of their client. And it's just a really interesting industry and you always come back to them. So why don't you talk a little bit upfront about the importance of networking in this industry with the, the frenemies, if you will. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. This topic, there's a lot to unpack. To answer your direct question, I feel like in the government contracting industry, there's nothing more important than your reputation, which then Mm, kind of correlates back to your network, right? And most of it's done on LinkedIn. Um, There's a few tools here and there that people are building and putting out there where you can build them. And and of course, back in the day, pre-COVID, we would be out building networks at conferences and more often than not, the parties that happen after conferences and around conferences, right? Those were good times, good memories. But let me go back to the importance of the network it's pretty much all you have with your reputation. So on one hand, I feel like all's fair in love and war when it comes down to teaming. And on the other hand, you really have to be crystal clear in your communication with your teaming partners or your frenemies or anybody else that you're kind of working with. So for example, there's a a company similarly situated in the technology space as Metaface. And we came together to try to build something together, a coalition actually, where we can enhance digital transformation for the government 
department, mm. but we wanted to do it together, even though it's highly likely next week we'll be competing on something. And then three weeks later, they're going to call us for a potential teaming opportunity. Each time we're going to be completely open to those opportunities, but we just need to be clear. So if they hit me up and say, hey, Alexa, we're looking at this particular Oasis task order. Are you guys bidding it? I would tell them we are, we're the prime on the work already, and we're not looking to team. And then I would automatically know they're going to compete against me. So I might add that to my black hat intel, mm. but it's all good, right? Next time around, I'm going to call them and be like, hey guys, there's task orders coming out on Oasis. I know you don't have the Oasis vehicle. Would you be interested in teaming? And kind of going back and forth on that extremely clear communication style is really what helps build that reputation as being somebody that's trustworthy, a strong teaming partner. When I came to work at Metaphase, one of their core things is to be a good teaming partner. And I really didn't know what they meant by that, but it means taking phone calls from all the companies, companies we've never heard of, big companies that might have bad reputations. I'm sure you don't know any of those. No. Oh yeah, no, there's not a single one. They're all great. We've never heard of any of those guys. <laughs> it didn't work for some of them. <laughs> Right? No, never. So yeah, we take calls from everybody and we facilitate the conversation in a clear manner of what our intentions are. And I think that's how you build a strong reputation. I think it's super important. And, and back in the day when I first got into government contracting, it was one of those businesses where I came in and we already had an established team of government contractors, you know, my VP of sales, our CEO, other people. We already had people that were really entrenched with their hatred for other companies, right? That was already there. So you, you come onto the team and like, you don't know that you're supposed to hate these people, but you're like, oh, those are, our, we're supposed to hate these people. And that was just kind of taught. And then I got out out of it and I'm like, that was kind of stupid, right? Like why why are we, you know, like and I'll just say one of the there was a, a big company that we hated. And I'm like, they're integrators. Why are we hating them? We're software developers. They could be implementing our solution. Sure, they're trying to implement their own solution in the back end, but at the end of the day, we're not direct competitors. They want to use whatever the government wants and integrate it in. They want that part of the job. They don't care about the million bucks we're gonna sell in software. They care about the 50 mil they're gonna get to embedded in all the networks and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it was just this huge disconnect for me as a 21-ish kid, uh, you know, I'm 21 years old and just have no idea other than, hey, I'm supposed to hate these people. It's like, you know, when you just transfer high school, you're like, hey, we hate, you know, the Badgers or the Lions or the whatever. And I'm like, why? I don't know because the rivalry has been going on for 30 years. And so yeah, yeah. that's kind of what, what I was in. And so we often have people that come to us and say, well, hey, I'm going to team with this person, but they're asking for exclusivity. And we don't want to do that because we want to be on two teams competing on the same contract. And I know the answer that I would give. And, and I know we're kind of jumping in and, and talking a little strategy here, but what are your thoughts for those people that are like, hey, why, why is this a bad thing for me to be on two different teams? Right. Well, I'm going to approach that from two different angles. So, so the first one is from the, like, those are the cool, we don't, we don't talk to the cool kids and we're going to be the quirky kids. And, you know, there's two factions here and we're not going to work together. I'm going to say, first of all, if you decide that you dislike a company, that's probably going to be the first company that a government agency tells you directed subcontractor to you. That's the way exactly. the universe works. That's the way right? it 100% the way the universe works. The universe will be like, hold my beer. You're going to work with this company, whether you like it or not. So yeah. you, even though you feel like you want to light a match and burn that bridge in government contracting, you just can't. Um, yeah. and, and the second part of that is from a strategy on like the exclusivity piece. There are times when it comes down to contracts, when exclusivity is a requirement, like for example, in Polaris, which we're all like with waiting with bated breath for, mm -hmm. right? 
and there's different pools and pool, like the small business pool, you can use past performance from teaming partners, but then it's exclusive to that pool, but they could go ahead and use that past performance on the hub zone pool. So I really feel like when it comes down to negotiating teaming agreements, it is not like playing checkers, it's playing chess. And there's a lot of things to think about, you know, when somebody says best athlete, like, no, that's a terrible thing to put in a teaming agreement. And I would not accept it, nor would I ever give it to somebody as a option in a teaming agreement, because it's based basically like, well, whoever submits the best resume, then we'll go with that one. Like, wh- why would I accept that? Why would I even put that? No, let's let's do better, right? So instead of just pulling out random things that might've been copy and paste from previous things, let's think strategically about what we're trying to accomplish and what our win themes are. Work backwards from there and create real teams that build winning, like a, a real winning P-win, if you will. Yeah, that, that's good advice. And there's a couple of different things here. And one of them is, what are your thoughts about when you are competing against friends? If you're going to team with a friend, I always, always, or if you're going to compete against a friend, I always, um, if they win, I buy them a nice bottle of alcohol and say, say congratulations. Because ultimately, in order to be the best, you have to beat the best. And if that right. doesn't end up being you in that case, then your job is to get better, right? Mm-hmm. So ultimately, that's kind of how I would, approach it. And then of course, for my friend, I would let him know I'm bidding. It goes back to the whole clarity thing with communication, which I know is a challenge for all humans. I get it. I think sometimes when you realize that somebody, you know, is competing and there are friends, even if it isn't necessary, sometimes you do have the conversation and say, Hey, one of us could win or we could both win. It's not necessary for us to team on this, but what if we did? I I do see that as a great conversation. And some people will be like, no, we're just going to try to beat you. You know, that's just the way it is and I, I do think it's important to not hold that against them of hey it's it's a five hundred thousand dollar contract come on <laughs> you know you know let's let's just let's go head to head and let's see whose team winds up being the best on this one it's not that big a deal and then you have the flip side which is the teaming with the frenemies any thoughts there on how to approach that when you know there's bad blood in the water and you know what I know I don't like that company however if we teamed our chances of winning go through the roof yeah um and for me just to be honest i'm a very like small business friendly person so when it comes to companies that i would rather not be teaming with are most of the large companies and it's not mm. like I have any in, in mind on the top of my head. It's, it's all of them because yeah. I just feel like you can put together a more compelling P-win with a group of smalls that are really capable than pulling in a large business who's going to ask for ridiculous work share for not a lot of work mm. in the work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, but when I, it metaphase is changing my mind a little bit. And the fact that I've seen a lot of large businesses step up and it's mostly in the engagement model, I think. So coming to the table with, hey, we would like to team with you on this. This is the value prop that Metaphase brings. This is the value prop that the big business brings. In order for us to get across the finish line to a win, we're going to need these things from you. And I, and I kind of feel like it's this whole conversation. I didn't see it going this way, but it's all going to come back to communication and clarity. <laughs> and, and, and also knowing your opportunity really, really well. So if you know what it's going to take to win, then you also know the criteria of what you need to give your teaming partner. And if that's somebody that, you might have bad blood with her. You already assume like, oh, I hate that company because my sister-in-law works there. You kind of make it about business in that case rather than about personal relationships. And the good news is at a lot of companies in this industry, people move around a lot. Right. So unless your issues are with the actual owners, 
then you're likely going to be working with different people anyway. So yeah. that's the good news. That's, yeah. the, that's the upside. You know, I think because wide majority of people that are good at government contracting, I'm talking successful companies, they understand these principles and they do their best to be the best teaming partners that they can be. Would you recommend in your experience, what you've seen, if you are approaching the frenemy and there was a specific issue at another client, do you talk through that before you go through or do you just act like it didn't happen in your mind? This is also why I don't usually date Michael. I'll tell you why. Because it's so similar to dating. Do you bring up a, a bad date you had in the past or do you just let it roll and continue and hope the next one's better? Yeah. <laughs> I think open communication is always the answer. So for example, if we accidentally poached somebody's service now lead and then they got upset about it and then maybe we're priming the work that they were subbing to us on and then that work we might need them for that bid so that might be that might be a hypothetical situation where that company might feel like there was things we needed to talk about yeah. right so i kind of feel like then yes every point of contention is absolutely an opportunity for effective communication and either being like you know what maybe we'll both go head to head on this one and all's fair and love and more or we'll come together we'll talk it out We'll work it out and we'll move forward as rather than frenemies, but more friends than enemies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it could go either way. Yeah, it could. You know, we had an opportunity where we weren't going to work together with a frenemy, but there was, so we were all in the software business and we were selling a solution that was similar, but part of our client was using our solution and part of our client was using the, I'll just say enemies solution because they we were not friends. I'm the guy that says, hey, I'm going to confront it. So we're sitting in a room waiting for the client. And I was like, why did you guys start this rumor that we were going out of business? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, like while we're waiting for the client and they're like, what do you mean? We didn't start that rumor. I'm like, well, I mean, I saw on Twitter where your CEO posted, hey, they're going out of business and that's why you shouldn't buy from them. So it sort of originated there. That was the first I'd ever heard of it. And they were like, I don't know how to answer this guy. <laughs> it's, it, you know, that because because uh, the CEO wasn't there. But I was like, any thoughts on that, guys? And they were so embarrassed because I don't think they even knew. But like this has been going on for four years, and I think your CEO should stop it. And yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, you know we could we could work together because we're not doing the same thing. And you know we've got ten more thousand licenses than you guys or whatever. Like we had thousands of licenses more than them. It was just one of those things where I just felt like confronting. Again, I was young, and I was just like, hey, I'm just going to confront this, you know, and and see where this is because clearly I know we don't like each other, and I have never even met you guys. This is the first time we've ever been in a room together. Mm-hmm. You know, so let I know you don't like my CEO. CEO, my CEO doesn't like your CEO, but you know, we don't have to be this way. This you kind of goes you know. to the whole rumor starting thing, which I think we had added, had given you yeah. that topic. Yeah. I, it's a fascinating topic. And I actually have hosted a sold out GovCon rumor bingo before, which was super fun, by the way, at a bar with alcohol. I mean, all of the things. Awesome. Yeah. But in government contracting, um, let's just say for an example, there was something at Department of State called Evolve. And maybe it was the recompute of all their Vanguard contracts. And it was super shiny. And everybody wants to bid. It's super exciting. Um, there was a lot of hearsay going on about which pools the government was going to set aside for small business. And what were the requirements going to be like, oh, man, the industry just went gung ho on rumors. I feel like if you incorporate the rumor starting tactic in your capture, you can 
get more information from the government from a, hey, I've been hearing all of these rumors and, and, and put your questions in there or just starting rumors in the government, in the industry in general and having them ask their customers directly and having that come back to you. But just kind of getting the conversation going is a really a big thing. Now, going back to what you said about confronting the CEO with his Twitter shenanigans, I felt like every single time you approach a company or somebody pretty directly, people appreciate direct communication. Maybe not in that exact moment when they're feeling like it's a critical conversation and all of their systems are firing over time. <laughs> but later in reflection, they're looking at it like, you know, that was, I appreciate people that are direct and that can come at me with some direct feedback. That's awesome. It's going to help me grow. And I heard somebody say yesterday, feedback is a gift. And I really do believe that to be true. You just might not feel like it in the moment. Yeah. You may not like it, but it's better to know, you know, what people are thinking than to be guessing all the time. And I hear that, you know, on the rumor side of things, there's just so many little things that we'll hear about a contract and what's going on. And when it comes to rumors, I think one of the, the hottest rumors that you'll hear is the government hates these guys. The, you know, the government hates this incumbent. Here's why they hate the incumbent. This is why they're re competing this thing. I actually had that. One of my clients came to me and said, hey, I I'm wondering why the government has put this out with these three or four requirements when they know we don't have those things and we're the incumbent. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, I'll tell you right out of the box. They either hate you or they have just had a complete oversight on this and you need to go talk to them fast. Sure enough, they go and talk to the government and the government was like, that's kind of normally what we would put in there. We'll reduce that because we know you don't have that and we've already awarded a contract to you. You know, so it's like we can't go back on that, right? And I'm like, well, I guess they don't hate you. So that's good. You know, now we know that. But when you see that kind of thing, often it is a way of the government sort of subtly saying we don't like the people we're working with. So we're going to put requirements in there that our incumbent couldn't meet. And it's like, they're like, why? You're like, well, because you did something, they don't like it. Yeah. You know? There's, so. I think one of the, one of the more impactful rumors is, well, the government hates the incumbent, but that can, that can be either true or not true or somewhere in the middle. But what's always true is the government is very risk adverse mm -hmm. and the incumbent has the advantage, regardless right. of how some random people might feel about their performance, who may or may not be involved in the strategy of deciding who wins the contract. Honestly, right. I was right. uh, um, at one of my previous companies. Um, we had a contract with NASA. It was a small business. It came out on GSA Schedule 70. We won it. And the recompete was put out as a service disabled veteran owned. That company was an 8A. We had hmm. no access to service disabled veteran owned, but we, and we approached the customer with that same line of questioning. Oh, I thought you liked this. This is very sad. You know, the customer was like, we are so far behind on these goals. It is embarrassing. And we're getting mega heat from HQ that was like, the next contract you put out is going SDVO. I don't even care what contract it is. So there are things outside of what seems obvious. This is why I said it's like playing a game of checkers, not chess. If you approach government contracting like checkers, you're going to lose and you're going to give people a lot of bad advice. Yeah. You have to always be thinking outside of the box and what else could it mean? Right, right. And in that situation, I just had a client that that happened to me and she was like, so we don't know what we're going to do now. And now we're scrambling to fill our pipeline. And like, you've been in business for 30 years. You're telling me you don't have another 8a you could partner with you don't have one because she's like well the government did tell us if we had an 8a that we could team with they'd give it back to us and i'm just shaking my head i'm like you've been in this long and you don't have teaming partners for this kind of situation because you know you didn't have your 8a you're a year from getting it or your sdvsb or whatever it may be <laughs> get some teaming partners and get the revenue versus just say well we don't have that so we're out and we're just going to walk away i, I 
I see that a lot where people don't consider teaming as a viable or strategic part of their plan. They just they just throw it off to the side and it's an afterthought. I had a fun conversation with somebody this morning who works for a company doing proposals and he said they didn't even have a capture team. And I was like, well, okay, well, that's a different conversation. But um, when I first started at Metaphase, I was wondering why one of the owners was the CEO and the other one is the chief strategy officer. I was like, what does that even mean, right? Chief strategy officer, it's so fancy. Um, But when it came down to it, his job is doing exactly that. Forward thinking, all paths on teaming, forward thinking, outgrowing, what what are we outgrowing and when are we outgrowing it and what are we doing to mitigate Mm -hmm. that? What is our plan moving forward with the capabilities, right? Like, right. do we want to grow in service now? Do we want to grow in Salesforce? Do we want to grow in Appian? Like, which paths are we going and how do we get there? And what's the taxes? And people that, the companies that spend time on that kind of thinking up front, not like year seven of an 8A, but year like two and three and one of an 8A and put the time, effort, and energy and really knowing the market are the companies that make the difference between being extremely successful and not being very successful. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of my favorite quotes that you, you'll hear out of me all the time, whether it's on this show or when I'm talking to somebody who's thinking about their 8A is don't get it until you actually know what you're doing. That's always number one. Like, don't get it till you know what you're doing. It's the only thing, the only certification that you're going to get that has a clock on it, unless God forbid something tragic happens in your family or whatever. And so why waste a year of that or two years or three years or five years? If you don't know what you're doing in the business, don't waste your 8A because you feel like you need to go get it because I guarantee you you're going to go get it and money is not going to rain down from the heavens because you've not marketed it. So it's just the way it's just the way it works. I've given this speech I don't know how many times on this podcast, and yet somebody who's listened to the podcast will call me up and say, "Hey, Mike, I'm brand new. I'm working on my 8A, and what should I do?" And I'm like, "You should stop, stop working on your 8A right now, and let's win some contracts and figure this out so that we can really maximize the usage of it." Uh, that's my little soapbox for. <laughs> <laughs> for the for not getting your 8A or waiting to get it till the right time, you know. As we wrap up here, any final thoughts from you on the teaming with frenemies, all's fair in love and war, your reputation, any of that kind of stuff you want to throw out there? I would just say be the teaming partner that you want to work with. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like, it kind of goes back to the golden rule. And yeah. there was a book that I read recently and I've read it a couple of times and I actually led the Metaphase book club discussion on it recently because it was that impactful to me. The book is called The Go-Giver. Mm-hmm. And really, it talks about approaching every business relationship from understanding 100% of what the other person needs and how you can accomplish it without focusing on a 50-50. Oh, I need to get my piece and you get your piece. But really, like, how can I make you the most successful as I can? And in turn, that will make me successful. It is just an impactful book that changed my life in a lot of different ways. So I would say be the teaming partner that you want to be and read the book, The Go-Giver. Especially in government contracting, where everybody is so competitive. It'll pay in mega dividends. You know, you really stand out from the crowd when you're that person that's just concerned about the other people. There's one guy in my network right now. There's really nothing I can do with him. And there's not a lot he can do with me. He's in the finance world. But this person will just call me up out of the blue and he'll say, hey, I saw this. I saw that on your LinkedIn, whatever it is. It just reminds me of like old school, how you really do sales and marketing, right? And we just stay in touch. And you know what? Someday I'm going to be able to help him or he's going to be able to help me. And we're always very friendly with each other. And sometimes that's where it has to start. Just being able to say, hey, 
hey, I saw this. I wanted to congratulate you. Or, hey, good job on that or whatever it may be. Hey, if I can help you with this thing or, or make an introduction for you or whatever it may be, they're trying to help and then they just get a little bit closer to everything else you're doing and you appreciate that. I know I know, I do. So there's just little things like that that you can do to help other people and, and that's where your focus should be all the time in everything you do. So, so 100% agree with you on that. Yeah. So great discussion. I'm sure we could talk for hours about all this stuff. The GovCon geeky nerdy stuff is always fun to deal with. You know, you mentioned something about data and different things. I love talking about data. I think a lot of our clients don't talk about the data enough. But yeah, thanks for coming on and talking about this. I really appreciate it. Sure. It was my happiness to help. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers. Changers.